0: to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Othman, a biblical church centered on Christ. Your Bibles to the book of Exodus. You're going to love this passage here. I've been excited about teaching and preaching. That has to be one of my children doing that with a rubber ducky. So do you have if those. Anyway, I won't talk about rubber duckies, but they are. We have a a child at our house that puts a rubber ducky on the um, dashboard, so if you go too fast, if the rubber ducky falls off, you know you took that turn the wrong way. This is the stuff I live with, so I'm very familiar with rubber duckies, and they're sitting there letting you know how to drive based on if the duck falls down. Anyway, Exodus chapter 1. We're going to be reading this passage here, and then we in a little bit, we're going to flip over our Bibles. And we're going to look in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 5. This is a message here. Is, you know, I've been going along with, if you received the Bible that we gave away, and you can download it and actually for free online. We're reading the Bibles at church together. And this will actually be Wednesday's reading. So it's getting you ready for that. But this passage here is so applicable for today, what we're going to read. Because I believe this time period we're about to see is a time period we live in here in 2023. Let me explain that. The book of Genesis, it ended at chapter 50. So what we had at chapter 50 was Joseph, he was just the ultimate general manager on earth, and he had saved up 20% of everything. So they had seven years of good good crops, of good times, then they had a seven-year famine. During that seven-year famine, on year two, his family that lived in the land of Israel was realizing, we have no food, what are we going to do? So they all have to go to Egypt, and lo and behold, there's their son, there's their brother Joseph. So they brought their entire family from the land of, back then it was called Canaan. From Canaan, they traveled about three, four days' journey down to Egypt, and they settled there. And they brought roughly 70 people from their family. So it was just a big family at that time. It wasn't a nation. God had promised a nation, but it hasn't really grown into that at this point. And they're in, this, they're in the northern Egyptian area. And it was called, it has two names in the Bible, Goshen and Ramesses. That was that region they were in. And in that region, God blessed these people. This is what we call the Hebrews. Then the Israelites, as they're also renamed from Jacob's family. And during this time, and they traveled down there at the end of the book of Genesis, chapter 50. Well, by the time we get here to Exodus chapter 1, 400 years had gone by. So God had just blessed these people. They multiplied greatly, immensely. And that's where we're going to pick up. Because times are going to change. I mean, you think about here we are in America 400 years ago. That's like the 1600s. I mean, it was a long time. You know, that's the pilgrims. I mean, you, you are really going back when you're thinking. Uh, you're thinking about Plymouth Rock and the Massachusetts Bay Colony. It was just a radically different time in American history. But so understand how much has changed in 400 years for us so that would be the same we're going to see here. So I want you to follow along here in your Bible. These are the names of the sons of Israel who came to Egypt with Jacob. Each came with his family. Now these are the twelve tribes of Israel here: Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah; Issachar, Zebulun, and Benjamin; Dan and Naphtali; Gad and Asher. The total number of Jacob's descendants was 70. Joseph was already in Egypt. So that they were all going down to Egypt. That's where we're going. So we've got this little family of 70 folks because their brother and son, Joseph, he was very wise. God given him dreams about the famine, and they've saved up. They've got grain in Egypt. So now pick up on verse 6. Joseph and all his brothers and all of that generation eventually died. But the Israelites were fruitful, increased rapidly, multiplied, and became extremely numerous so that the land was filled with them. I mean, God just blessed their families. I mean, that mean every family had five, six, seven, eight, nine children. I mean, you, you just had large families. That was the norm. It wasn't these little one or two family children. We're going to have a whole house full. You just keep throwing, uh, throw another uh, steak on the uh, skillet. I mean, we're just going to keep cooking for everybody. So God is blessing the Hebrews while they're, they're in Egypt. But then something's about to happen. Verse 8. A new king who did not know about Joseph came to power in Egypt. There it is right there. A new king who did not know about Joseph. So the king of Egypt is called Pharaoh. And he comes up, and he didn't go to Sunday school. He didn't have the joy of learning from his parents what Joseph was doing there. He didn't learn Egyptian history on why uh, Egypt was saved during the seven years of famine 400 years earlier. He didn't have the knowledge that people were teaching him about the Lord. This guy shows up. He doesn't know who these people are. All he knows is in northern Egypt, there's all these Hebrews and Israelites are living up there. He doesn't know their background. He doesn't know about Joseph. He comes from a different worldview. He did not know his history. So he comes to power, and he makes this statement in verse 9. He said to the people, look, the Israelite people are more numerous and powerful than we are. Come, let's deal with them shrewdly. Otherwise, they will multiply further, and when war breaks out, they will join our enemies, fight against us, and leave the country. So the Egyptians assigned taskmasters over the Israelites to oppress them with forced labor. They built Pithom and Ramesses as supply cities for Pharaoh. Now understand what happened. They looked at these people, the Egyptians, and said, Do you know we need to enslave them. They might have been free 400 years ago when they came to this country, but we don't, we don't want them to be free anymore. They went there, the Hebrews, as free people. And next thing you know, now they have shackles on them. They are in slavery. They are working hard. And it says in verse 12, But the more they oppressed them, the more they multiplied and spread so that the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites. they just God just kept multiplying. Instead of having 8 or 9 children, now they're having 14, 15 children. These are massive families. I mean, all they do is have babies. There's babies all over the place. I mean, it's just like, the, their, their population is growing. And Pharaoh and the Egyptians don't like it. So it said here, verse 13, they worked the Israelites ruthlessly and made their lives bitter with difficult labor and brick and mortar and all kinds of field work. They ruthlessly imposed all this work on them. What that means is they worked seven days a week. They didn't get off for the Sabbath. They worked seven days a week, sun up to sun down, every single day. And it was hard manual work labor they're in the field working for pharaoh they have now find themselves in slavery and in bondage so then it, it goes on to say here we're about to be introduced with two people in the bible who a lot of times we don't hear sermons we don't hear sunday school lessons on these two ladies i'm gonna go ahead and tell you about them they are midwives back in the bible bible times we didn't have, you didn't have your baby at St. Joe's or Baptist Health. You didn't have that type of luxury, just drive down the hospital and go in the delivery ward, and you know, you've got everything you need to have a baby. They used what they called midwives. These would have been women who would be the ones that were delivering all the babies. So there's these two ladies who are delivering the babies. Now, they might have had other ladies who worked under them, that they were training others as well, but these were the head ones. Their name are Shipra, and Pua, Shipra and Pua are midwives. So this would be like your OBGYN doctor. That's who these ladies are. And they are going to come on the scene and they are going to be asked to do something that goes against God's word. They're going to be asked to do something that would go against what the Bible teaches about life and death. So Pharaoh is getting frustrated. The population is continuing to grow. The harder he works them, the more babies that they just keep multiplying. The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, the first whose name was Shipra, and the second whose name was Pua, when you help the Hebrew women give birth, observe them as they deliver. If the child is a son, kill him. But if it's a daughter, she may live. So what would happen, back in Bible times, obviously they didn't have ultrasound. So the only way you would know you're going to have a son or boy, a son or a girl, is the moment of birth. I mean, right there, the midwife would announce, it's a boy, it's a girl. Because there's no way, back in Bible times, primitive times, for folks to know what's going to go on. So apparently, these women would deliver the babies, and Pharaoh is asking, this is what we call, sadly, infanticide. It's the killing of children. So they wanted to Deliver this child. And then, apparently, Shipra and Pua, maybe the mother not even realizing what's happening, whether well, it's a boy or a girl, immediately kill the child. Right there. Right when it's born. Immediately. And they would know how, you know, probably they would be able to do that uh, without uh, the mother's laboring. She's in a lot of pain, and she's not thinking that the midwife's going to kill your baby. But that's what Pharaoh is asking these two ladies to do. But these ladies here, they love the Lord. These ladies feared God. These ladies knew this was wrong. And there might be a time one day for us that we're asked to do something that is wrong. And it might not be today, but one day you will be at school. You will be at work. You might be a citizen here in the U.S., And all of a sudden, someone is asking you to do something. Your employer... And you just know that's morally wrong. That's lying. That's dishonest. And in this case, it was murder. This was not the right thing to do. And it says here, The midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt had told them. They let the boys live. So the king of Egypt summoned all the midwives and asked them, Why have you done this and let the boys live? Do you know, I bet when they were summoned to go to the Pharaoh, they were probably nervous because they're going to die. They're thinking, we didn't listen to what Pharaoh said. And folks, back then, there was no due process. If Pharaoh wanted to kill you, you died. Johnny on the spot. Your life's over. That's how they took care of things. But what's happening here is they gave almost a comical, flimsy reason and just shows you how the Lord is with them. The midwife said to Pharaoh, The Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife can get to them. Now, Pharaoh, that was also an insult to Pharaoh and to all the Egyptian people. You know, us Hebrew women, we are ultimate superstars. You weak Egyptian women, y'all just are in labor so long. We are so good at delivering babies, we can just pop them out like that. I mean, just bam, by the time the midwife even gets in the room, there's the baby, she, mama's already holding the baby. And apparently, you would think Pharaoh thinks, you know, that might not be uh, the whole truth there. That's, they're just mocking the man, saying, you know, these are really fast women, they just pop the baby's own out, there's your, there's your child. I can't even get there in time. They're so fast. They could deliver baby themselves, the mamas. That's really what they're saying to, to Pharaoh. So Pharaoh here, he does not kill these women. But look what happens. God, it says in verse 20, God was good to these midwives. He blessed them for their obedience to the Lord. They did the right thing, and God looks at Shipra and Pua and said, Sweet ladies, you all have, y'all have honored the Lord. Because of that, apparently these women could not have children of their own. Everybody in the whole, all of Egypt, all of, among the Hebrews, were having babies except Shipra and Pua. They delivered all the babies. They delivered everybody else's babies. But they couldn't have their own children. But they probably wanted them. And it says there in verse, in verse 20, but God was good to the midwives, and the people multiplied and, be- and became very numerous. Since the midwives feared God, He gave them families. What that means is God was gracious upon their answer to Pharaoh. They said, Pharaoh, we're not going to kill the children. I'm just not going to do it. And in fact, God says, I'm going to be good to you, and now you're going to have your own family. God honored these two women for their commitment to him. They had a fear of the Lord. They were placed in a quandary where they had to either obey Pharaoh and kill children, or they had to obey the Lord and come up with a flimsy reason why they just couldn't do it. So here's what happens from that. Pharaoh then, at this point, I'm sure he's very frustrated because the numbers just keep going of the Hebrews. Pharaoh then commanded all the people. Now, his, these are his people. You must throw every son born to the Hebrews into the Nile, but every, let every daughter live. That meant he's just now, at this point, sending the police, sending the military. If you see a baby boy, Hebrew boy, he goes in the Nile River. We're setting up for Moses is what this is doing. This is the transition chapter here. For God doing a true miracle. And the one of the Moses' names I mean, he was pulled from the reeds. He was pulled out of the Nile River. That's who Moses was. He was one of those babies. His mother saved him so he wasn't just tossed. You know, we look at this story here. And several things apply to us in 2023. The first is what happens is what starts out is freedom. These folks started out as a free people in Egypt. But then 400 years later, they found themselves in slavery. You know, that applies for us. What began in our life as something very good could actually enslave us. And that occurred right here. Pharaoh did not know the past. He did not know the stories of Joseph. And you know, we have a generation coming up, maybe many of you, Went to, grew up in church, went to Sunday school, and you learned the Bible stories. You knew this story. You know the story of Joseph. You know what happened with Moses. You've heard a sermon on this before. You've read your Bible and are aware of how evil and wicked Pharaoh was to the Hebrews. But there's a generation of people who do not know the Lord. And just like in verse 8, a new king who did not know of Joseph. Now there is a new king that arose in Egypt who did not know Joseph. I have this up on the screen about this. Look at this next line. Now there arose, if we could rename this verse, if I could rename verse 8, now there arose a country that does not know their Bible. Folks, that's our country. We can look at this story here and say, well, that's in Egypt, thousands of years ago. Folks, that's here. There's a country that does not know this book. They just don't know it. I coach upward basketball. I coach 4th and 5th grade boys. Beach are also coaches. We have a lot of children in our church here that play upward basketball. We do it here at our church on Saturdays. And on my little team, we have different uh, devotions we go through. And this week's devotion, my practice is on Friday night. And we have our devotion, and we're learning about obedience. In our Bible verse, we were learning out of a scripture, out of the book of Hebrews, about how we are to submit and obey spiritual leaders. So I asked all the boys, always when you read a Bible verse to children, you have to stop and make sure they understand what you're talking about. Because one of the great things about Upward is there's a lot of church kids that, that attend, but there's also a lot of children from the community that have no connection whatsoever to church, don't go to church, aren't saved, families don't, I mean, they're just, they're just lost. So, I asked a question on Friday night, two nights ago. I said, Boys, it uses the Bible verses, use the word spiritual leaders. I so said, What is a spiritual leader? Because you cannot assume people know what a spiritual leader is whatsoever. I mean, uh, you ask, uh, like you get all sorts of answers. So, I said, Some of the children started saying, Your parents? I said, Yes. And somebody said, Church leaders? I said, Absolutely. And somebody said, God? And then one little boy speaks up. This child does not go to church. And he said, Zeus. I, I was not ready for that. Uh, when you ask children, you have to be ready for what you get. I, I stepped back and I thought, well, I, I get now who is Zeus? Zeus is like one of these Greek and mythology false gods from thousands of years ago. Uh, that Of course, Zeus doesn't exist. But this child, I guess, in his school, he's le- reading about this in his textbooks, he's learning about it from wherever. And he, he shared that answer. I said, well, I, I guess Zeus is a spiritual leader to some people, but that's not who we worship. We worship the Lord Jesus and God the Father of the Bible. I you know, redirected him from that. But I sit there and think about that. Where did that child learn that? How would a fourth grader know that answer? That, may, that means someone taught him. It's a generation that is coming up that does not know their Bible. They do not know about the Lord. And for for this time, back in Exodus chapter 1, they did not know the story of Joseph. They do not know why we have churches. Do you know, if you ask 4th and 5th grade boys, they do not go to church, why are there churches here in Lexington? They would not know. And just like this Pharaoh, he came up. And they said, why are all these Hebrews here in Egypt? And he did not know. You can't fault them. You can't fault a lost person for not knowing. They've never been taught. Folks, that's our responsibility to teach the truth. Lost people just do what lost people do. You know, you look at our country. And for some of you, you grew up and everything revolved around your family and the church. That was it. I mean, the church was the most busy place in the whole community. And then you had your family, especially if you had a large family. It was really busy. That was what revolved around your life. And now it's changed. Now there's this generation that does not know the Lord. And it's easy for us as Christians today to look at our generation and say, you know, it's, it's the world's fault. But you know what? The world is doing what the world does. You cannot expect lost people, people who are not saved, to act like Christians and to think and to behave and to believe like Christians. They won't do it. They don't know. They haven't been transformed by the gospel. We are blessed to be a part of a church that teaches us these stories such as Prua and Shivra. These two ladies had a fear of the Lord that we can learn from. So when we're at school, when we're at work, when we're as a citizen, wherever we're at, and we're asked to do something that's morally wrong, that goes against our Bible, we can say, "Uh, I I don't think so. That's not right. That's wrong. In fact, I'm going to do this to honor the Lord. We live in a day of Exodus chapter 1. We live in a day where our Pharaoh does not know the Lord. The people do not know the Lord. And our our employers, our schoolmates, the the people, our neighbors, they do not know the Lord. And we live in a time such as this, where we have to be bold and say, I'm not going to go down the road. Let me illustrate what it would look like you know amidst darkness when you're among dark times this was a dark time here for the hebrews they were in extreme slavery they had shackles they were getting beat pharaoh was ruthless the bible says and the these women stepped up they made a difference amidst darkness god uses unlikely people to step up you say pastor how does he do that today how how would this look like today I read this story, how does this apply in 2023? Here's how we would step up like Shipra and Puo did. We step up, and this is how we would say, "says I'm not going to get on board with the LGBT bandwagon. That's a, one example right there, how you could step up. The bandwagon, it's going in this direction. That's where cultural, culture's going. Use the Christian saying, I believe what the Bible says on sexuality. I'm not getting on board with that. And the, you will pay a price for that. You, it won't be popular. That's not the direction Hollywood's going. Not the direction all government's going. And that's, it's, for us, we have to say, I, as for me and my house, we stand on the word of God. Here's another example. Here's how you have to step up. Here's how you're a pursua or, or, or a shipwra in pua. I'm not going to give in to cultural pressure to dress, to talk, the way you talk, folks, we, we don't use the Lord's name in vain. God's people don't casually talk about God. OMG, you shouldn't ever say that phrase. That phrase breaks the third commandment. God's people are called to purity. Not just purity in our interactions with other people, but even a purity with our words. When, with the same words, the Bible says, we praise God. We come up here and sing with our wonderful praise team. Could you imagine on Monday, that same mouth that's singing here on the sanctuary is cursing the Lord. That breaks the third commandment if we do that. Our language matters to the Lord. So, this cultural pressure of ways, certain ways to dress, that's inappropriate, certain ways to talk, which is, breaks the third commandment, defames the Lord, the, the total trash on tv and movies you just have to say it's not for me i'm not gonna give in to that cultural pressure and not only that the way everyone else spends their money and what they do we as christians you as someone who follows the lord watching where hollywood and cultural drift and everywhere else is going down this way you say that's not for me i serve i serve the lord I'm going to be one who's a shipprah and puah, and I'm going to step up boldly, and I'm going to honor and serve and do what the Lord wants us to do. You say, Pastor, that's the Old Testament. What about the New Testament? Give me something more recent how this would apply. I can. Turn your Bibles here to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5, verses 28 and 29. There were these people called apostles. They were chosen by Jesus, and they got in trouble. They found themselves in jail. Do you ever think one day here in the United States we could be thrown in jail for being Christians and preaching and teaching and sharing the gospel? Well, it happened back then. And folks, it could happen here one day. We don't know what the future holds. Just because, just because well, a country is free now doesn't mean it's always going to be free for the future. <coughs> the time of Egypt, it changed under Joseph. He went to this wonderful free country that provided accommodations for him. 400 years later, all those folks were in slavery. The Bible tells us here in Acts chapter 5 that these apostles were teaching about Jesus and a group called the Sanhedrin, the same group that just weeks before had condemned Jesus to death came to these apostles and arrested them and threw them in jail for teaching and preaching about Jesus. And then they get out of jail. And then the Lord, Lord actually let them out of jail. And then they go back to doing what they were doing, teaching about Jesus. So then the Sanhedrin finds out that the people you just threw in jail, they're still doing the same thing you just did. So they're thinking this isn't working very well. So look what, look what happens here. Look at this verse. This is the high priest in verse 28. High priest is saying, didn't we strictly order you not to teach in this name? By the way, that's the name of Jesus. It's by the name of Jesus people are saved. If you want to get saved this morning, you'll walk this aisle and you will pray to to Jesus by His name and give give your life to Jesus. Only by His name are we saved. No one else's name. Didn't we strictly order you not to teach in this name? Look, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Do you know what all they were concerned about was, you are going around teaching about Jesus, whom we killed, and I want you to be quiet about, and all that makes us look guilty. Just a few weeks ago, we killed the guy, and you keep talking about Like, be quiet. We don't want to hear about Jesus anymore. He's gone. He, kept, he came back to life, but they could not silence these people. <coughs> folks, look what these folks said. This is the last verse we're going to read this morning. Peter and the Apostles replied, we must obey God rather than men. We must obey God rather than men. Meaning, I know you have told us not to do this. I know what you said was illegal. I know you threw us in jail. But I have to obey the Lord. And the Lord wants me to tell other people and to teach and preach in the name of Jesus. So, If you want to throw us back in jail, if you want to execute us, you can do whatever you want to do, but we are going to continue. As long as I have a mouth, I'm going to continue to praise, continue to witness, and continue to preach the gospel. That's what they're saying. They're saying, Sanhedrin, I recognize you as authority, but you're not going to tell us to do something against what God has told us to do. And what they are to do is they are to be a great witness, to fulfill well, Jesus says in Acts 1-8 to be a witness to the entire world, beginning in Jerusalem, and this occurred in Jerusalem. Folks, we live in this time where you might be told to be silent. You were told not to do something. You were told to, or asked to do something immoral or illegal, and you're in this quandary, and it's all around us. And if you haven't hit it yet, I promise you will hit it soon, probably sooner than later where you have to choose, am I going to serve the Lord? Am I going to do what the Lord wants me to do, or am I going to serve Pharaoh? Or the cultural drift that just goes along with whatever Hollywood and whatever else, <coughs> social media, wherever it's going. And you, if, if you're going to make a stand for the Lord, you're going to need the boldness of Shiphrah and Puah, And you're going to need the boldness of these apostles here in Acts chapter 5. God is calling you to be a bold believer in 2023. Gone are the days of the time of Joseph where you just get this easy living in the land of Egypt and you have all this grain and just go about doing whatever you want. We live in a day now where there arose a Pharaoh who does not know of Joseph. We live in a country, we live in a time, we live in a land that does not know their Bible. And when folks don't know their Bible, we can't blame the people who don't know their Bible. We as Christians have to accept that responsibility. That's because there's empty pews. That's because there's children that haven't been saved. That's because there's moms and dads who aren't who are busy doing other things and bringing their families to work. That means they're senior adults here in our wonderful city that maybe for one, one time they were active in church, but it's been decades. They've given up on the Lord, but the Lord has not given up on them. We have a mission to make sure that we are like Shipra and Pua, and we, we choose the Lord. We fear the Lord, and then the Bible says they were blessed. Their families were blessed. When you choose to follow the Lord, not only do you receive a blessing, your family and your household is blessed as well. It happened here to the apostles, and it happened here to Shipporah and Pua. And God is asking you, are you going to be like, are you going to use these these folks here in the Old and New Testament who had a boldness for the Lord, are you going to allow that to seep into your life here in 2023, a brand new year for us to be bold in our faith for Jesus. I'm going to invite our band to come forward, our singers to come forward at this time. We're going to have our, our song of invitation. We're going to sing, and we're going to respond to the gospel. I want to tell you, some of you here have never gotten saved, and this is your time to get saved. I shared about how you can come forward, and by the name of Jesus, I will be standing down here, and, you know, maybe with some of our other deacons, and leaders. And you can come forward and say, I want to get saved this morning. You know, we've got a group of folks who are going to be getting baptized in probably in a few weeks or so. If you want to get baptized with that group, you come forward and say, Pastor, it's a new year. I'm ready to make a commitment. I'm ready to make a stand. I've been riding the fence too long, going along with this cultural drift. And I see these people, Shipporah and Pua and the apostles. These folks were bold for the Lord. I want that boldness too. If that is you, I want you to respond this morning, and you follow Jesus. So We're going to stand together. Our band's going to lead us in our song. We're going to, we're going to respond and say yes to Jesus. All right, Beecher?